Hey there, Victoria here, and welcome to another episode of the Choose to Think podcast. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the whole notion of self-pity. Man, self-pity is like an old familiar friend to me. He comes knocking at my door fairly often, and if I'm wise, I put in the earplugs and resist listening to him. Or, better yet, I tell him to get the heck off my property. Well, what does self-pity have in its arsenal? Well, for one, he's got this uncanny way of comforting me. Stay tuned, and I'll tell you a story about how I've learned to deal with this self-pity in my mind and in my heart. But first, a few reminders. So I have something so exciting to share with you today. I've recently created a private Facebook group called Choose to Think. Not only are members listeners to the C2T podcast, we are a faith-filled community of Christians coming together to share our experiences in applying God's Word to our thoughts, emotions, and mindsets. We share the nuts and bolts of what we believe and how this affects exactly how we live. We have built this tightly knit and safe community community to encourage, support, and educate others when it comes to putting feet to our faith in practical ways. I really hope that you'll join the tribe. The link is in the show notes or just search Choose to Think on Facebook. Also, I created a special freebie for you called The Ultimate Guide to Gratitude. Have you snagged your copy just yet? I think you'll enjoy this PDF. It has printable bookmarks, quotes, action items, to-do lists, all related to the mindset of gratitude. The link to download is in the show notes. And finally, if you would subscribe to the show or better yet, send a link to a friend or two, I would be forever grateful. Please help me continue to spread the word about God's goodness and to encourage fellow believers. Now, on with the show. Okay, let's start by defining self-pity. According to MerriamWebster.com, self-pity is pity for oneself, especially a self-indulgent dwelling on one's own sorrows or misfortunes. It can be a feeling of pity for yourself because you believe you have suffered more than is fair or reasonable. Listen, we're all going to have those gloomy, ball humbug kind of days. The trick in our quest to choose to think is not to stay stuck there. We don't want to dwell there. Self-pity can suck the very life out of us. It's actually quite harmful in our brains. At first, when this old friend comes knocking at our door, we let him in because he offers us some kind of pseudo-comfort. Now, now, he says, of course you should be feeling low. What happened to you was so unfair. Nobody understands. I know. You should be angry about how they're treating you. You've really suffered, you poor little thing. Hmm. And as we lick our own wounds, we realize that those moments of feeling comforted actually were a ruse. The comfort is fleeting. And then there we are, not only in a bad mood, but we grow angry and insolent to boot. We gripe and we grumble about our own pitiful situation. Eyes are on us. And in our hearts, self-pity brings us the fertilizer needed to grow bitterness there. Voila. We go to bed mad. We wake up mad. And we are convinced that we were so wrong, that our situation is so bad, and that we are entirely justified in harboring the unforgiveness that so often accompanies the offense that led us to self-pity. 
Okay, you get the picture. And you probably want an example from my life. Oh, dear. Well, I've shared with you before all the times that I felt rejected. Well, maybe not all of them, but a good portion of them. And geez, rejection and self-pity go hand in hand, don't they? Well, do you know what FOMO is? FOMO, F-O-M-O, is the fear of missing out. Okay, missing out of what? Well, it could be not knowing something that everybody else seems to know. It might be fear of missing out on an invitation to a social event that all your friends are attending. It may be fear of missing an important event in the life of your family member, a close friend. It could be fear of missing out on a great deal online, you know, a discount on something that you may want. You know, marketers use FOMO all the time to help future clients jump on the bandwagon of what they're selling. You know, only two days left. Better get on. Better buy. Well, now let's say that you do miss out on something. Somehow you weren't in the loop, so to speak. This has happened to me a few times. Here's the story. A few years ago, a fairly close friend was planning her daughter's wedding. We had run in the same circles for years, and although our kids grew up together and we were in homeschooling co-ops, our kids really weren't that close, especially as they matured and went on went on to college. Well, one day, I heard that my friend's daughter was getting married. Our common friends were chatting about this, and I had no reason to suspect that I wouldn't receive an invitation too. Well, I kept waiting and waiting. It didn't help that a mutual friend kept asking me if I'd received the invitation yet almost every day. She's like, hey, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? We began to wonder wonder if there was an oversight. I wasn't really sure how to handle it. Needless to say, I found myself engaging in the biggest fit of full-blown self-pity. My mind went to a myriad of negative, toxic thoughts as I convinced myself how absolutely unfair this was. I hated being left out. I stewed and I stewed on this. Every toxic thought I had was like a jab to my heart and mind. And my well-meaning other friend wasn't helping me either. I was in some funk, all right. I was so consumed with myself and so focused on myself. You know, self-pity blinds us and it debilitates us in many ways. Self-pity distracts us from what is most important. We even lose sight of all our blessings. Well, I was definitely blinded, all right. Finally, I called my wedding friend. Why didn't I receive an invitation? I burst out crying. She was mortified, but she's such a dear sister that she apologized and she said just how sorry she was. Her daughter had not included us on the list as they had guest limits. All of this is reasonable, right? And then it was my turn to experience the fallout from cozying up with Mr. Self-Pity. I think that all the blood dropped from my head during that conversation. It was all I could do to say goodbye quick enough, but it gets worse. This friend was so kind, so humble, and so compassionate that the very next day she appeared on my doorstep with an invitation on a silver platter. I kid you not as well as with a beautiful red rose lying there on its side. Listen, 
A close cousin to self-pity is shame. And oh, did I ever feel horribly ashamed of my behavior. Now, before we chat about lessons learned, let's go to a break from our sponsors. So I learned four important lessons from this event. Number one, if I don't get an invitation to an event I expect to be invited to, it's just okay. And the Lord's given me a time or two after that to practice this. I'm getting better at it. There could be a gazillion reasons why I'm not invited or I don't get the score or I don't, you know, get that deal. And you know what? Some of it may be flat out none of my business. If I focus on myself, my hurts, my FOMO, then I only open the door for self-pity to walk right on into my mind, grab a glass of iced tea, and just sit down and camp out for a while. Lesson number two, I ask myself, Victoria, have you ever left someone else out intentionally or otherwise? Was your motive to hurt someone? So what happens when I do this is when I pull back and I see just how much I'm in need of grace and forgiveness, it softens the blow a bit when I am left out. You know, when we feel wronged, we elevate and expand the offense, don't we? Yet when we are the ones who do the wrong or who wrong someone else, we tend to make the offense smaller. Now, did you get that? In other words, our human nature magnifies those times we are wronged. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. Yet when we are the ones who commit the offense, we tend to diminish it and justify our actions. Well, I didn't mean to hurt her feelings or I didn't know this was so important to him. You get the picture. The second lesson is a steadfast reminder that I am in need of grace and mercy, just like the next guy. I'd better jump off that self-pity horse I'm tempted to ride around on and to try to grasp a new perspective on this event. Lesson number three. The third lesson I learned is that if I'm in need of comfort, self-pity will never deliver. I have to be mindful to avoid even venting with my friends sometimes because because some of them may just shift me into a high gear of self-pity. Now, I know that they're just trying to validate my feelings, yes, but unwittingly, they may just be justifying my sinful choice to feel sorry for myself. So I need to pick my venting friends very carefully. I have found that there's really only one only one who is the comforter above all comforters, and that is God's Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, he was named Paracletus, or Paraclete in Greek, which means comforter or advocate. And as a believer, you and I have the wonderful privilege to summon the Holy Spirit or to call him to our side, to our aid. This is the very best antidote to staving off self-pity. Now, newsflash, This isn't always easy, and sometimes the comfort does not come immediately. If I go to a bag of, you know, chocolate chips or cookie jar or whatever, man, I get that dopamine hit instantly. Boom. But sometimes the comfort that I, of course, it's not lasting, right? And it makes me feel much worse. It doesn't do anything for the health and wellness that I want to maintain in my life either. But my point is this, that kind of seeking comfort in that way 
whether it's an alcohol, you know, bottle of booze or cookies or self-pity, whatever. It never, it doesn't stick around, but it's fast, right? It's fast. We get that hit fast. But when we, when we go to the Holy Spirit, sometimes we have to, we have to really humble ourselves and we have to be willing to be patient and to wait for the comfort to come and to wash over us. It will come, but it may not be as fast as we would like. You know, sometimes I even grab a pencil and paper and I do a quick brain dump expressing all the hardships that I've endured as a result of the experience. You know, and you can do that too. Go ahead. God already knows, but it helps to just write it out and to articulate it and to express exactly what you're thinking and feeling. And then you just ask the spirit to comfort you, to teach you, to even rebuke you if necessary, and to remind you of just how much God loves you. There is no person on earth who loves you anymore. No one. There was no person on earth who unconditionally loved you and went so far as to die for you, taking all your self-pity and all the other junk right onto his shoulders. Jesus felt, Jesus had emotions and feelings and temptations, yet he seemingly fought hard to declare God's truth in all situations. We have the mind of Christ and we can do the same thing. The fourth lesson I learned is that gratitude is the mindset that helps me to pivot quickly from self-pity to truth. You see, when we are grateful, our thoughts are not toxic. They can't be. There's no room for self. Our eyes are turned toward God, somebody greater than us who's in control. We thank him for our many, many blessings. Even in times of trouble and hardship, there's always something to be grateful for. Our country has been riddled with strife and division, yet we can be grateful to know the truth and to fight for this truth in healthy, productive ways. Light Even the smallest flickering has a way of dispelling the darkness, doesn't it? With gratitude, we are charged to keep our eyes on God, to forgive, to hope, and to profess the truth to a world that doesn't seem to know it sometimes. We are called to be the light. There are always things we can do to be a part of the overarching solution to the aches and pains experienced in this life and in this world. It might be that we write a kind and encouraging note to those on the front lines, so to speak. Maybe we drop off cookies to a neighbor who struggles with fear and feeling alone. Maybe we write a list of all the things that we're blessed by, and we read that list every single day to orient our minds to the truth and just how grateful we really are. We work really hard to discover a way to encourage, to support, and to speak truth. We may find that we are comforted when we seek to comfort. When we become others-focused, others-minded, that encourages us in the process. Okay, so to sum up, the four lessons are, number one, understand that you will be left out from time to time, but it's just okay. Don't let self-pity through the front door of your mind. Number two, remember that you too have probably left someone out in your lifetime. Give the very grace that you've received. Number three, practice seeking the Holy Spirit for guidance and for lasting comfort that only God can deliver. And number four, pivot to gratitude. Trust God. Be the light. 
so what so what you didn't make the team so what you didn't get invited or earn the grade you thought you deserved trust that god has something else in store for you that is a part of his great plan in his perfect time and by the way please remember to download the free pdf the ultimate gratitude guide the link is in the show notes grab your copy today and listen if you're wondering hey where's the psalm today i haven't forgotten it it's on tap and i chose our lesson on self pity precisely because this is a psalm of the opposite. It's of thanksgiving or gratitude. Psalm 100 was commonly used by the Israelites when they celebrated with thanks or when they were giving peace offerings. You'll hear a few admonitions to shout and sing joyfully, to serve with gladness, to give thanks and praise and bless God's name. It's short. It's only five verses. Let's listen. Psalm 100, All Men Exhorted to Praise God, a Psalm for Thanksgiving, from the NASB Version. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. And this is the word of the Lord. Well, Brain Changer, I hope you're feeling a bit jazzed about rejecting self-pity in your life. Hopefully you're encouraged to be thankful and grateful in practical ways. But before we pray and close out this episode, I want to encourage you perhaps in a different way, a deeper way, because the examples I've used today in this episode regarding self-pity are somewhat superficial or some might even say inconsequential. Are we ever allowed to feel self-pity, like for some big-time events that happen, some things that happen to us in our lives? In other words, aren't we justified to feel self-pity, to even stay stuck there if we lose a limb or if we're paralyzed? Or what about if we lose our spouse or our child dies? What if we get fired from our job or our best friend betrays us? Gosh, believe it or not, what I've learned is that the remedy is still the same. We are tasked, no matter our earthly plight, to trust God, His ways, His thoughts, and His will. Now let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your unconditional love and forgiveness, for your faithfulness. Thank you for being our shepherd, our comforter, and our friend. Forgive us for those times we focus on ourselves and lose sight of our many blessings. Help us to be the change and to be the light that our world so desperately needs. In Jesus' name, amen. And until next week, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.